Melissa Harrison here for the Media Project podcast, Religion Unplugged. And joining me in the studio today, Emeka Ezeze. He is the managing, was the managing director of the Guardian newspaper in Lagos, Nigeria. He is currently serving as a board member for that company. And also Clemente Lisi. He is assistant professor of journalism here at the King's College. Emeka, you're in town for the Media Project board meeting, our annual board meeting here in New York. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. We uh, we just felt like this was such a great opportunity while we have Emeka here in New York to talk about what's happening in Nigeria. And Clemente is going to moderate this discussion, just checking in with how are things going with Boko Haram. Yeah, that's our first question, really. Um, you know, a lot of Americans, what they know about Nigeria is what they know about Boko Haram and, and the atrocities they've committed in the past few years. But we seem not to be hearing about them much in the news, at least internationally. So update us on what is happening with Boko Haram and, and the Nigerian response to it. Uh, I think that the Boko Haram problem is sort of, um, uh, I can't say it's abated, but it's, it's no longer uh, with the same intensity as it used to be. But they are there, still causing problems, uh, still killings when, when, they, when they can, we can get away with it. And also they have made that part of, the, of Nigeria very difficult to settle down. So people keep coming and going and people keep getting attacked. And sometimes it's very serious. So I think Boko Haram is still there. Maybe not as vibrant as it used to be, but it's not defeated yet. Right. So you, you're saying they're still killing. Do you consider this sort of the new normal in Nigeria? And is it, do you, do you liken it to maybe organized crime, the mafia, the way they yeah. act in, within no, the country? No, Boko Haram is there. It's, it's a sort of new normal in that part of the country. Um, is a very small enclave in the northeast of Nigeria, um, bordering a bit of Cameroon Republic and a bit of Chad Republic as well. And it's sort of a new normal, and the, the operations tend to um, get into some of those neighboring countries also. So it's not just uh, operating within Nigeria. And also their modus operandi seems to be very fashionable for some other groups that are operating from those other countries. So I think that they are not dead. They are dead. They are not as destructive as they used to be, but they're there. Right. So like a lot of Islamic terror groups, they, they prey on the uneducated people who are really young, young males to recruit them. Mm-hmm. How are they recruiting these people, these, especially these men, young men, and, and what's the ISIS connection to them? They still recruit as they had done in the past. Boko Haram pays its foot soldiers, just mm-hmm. like ISIS, Islamic uh, fundamentalist uh, groups. They they pay their soldiers, so they usually have more than enough base to recruit from. Uh, they have too many young men who are doing very not very little or nothing, and uh, offering them a job such as that, a job, quote unquote. Right. Uh, becomes attractive if they're going to be paid. Um, so the ISIS connection is that, and that's the one that is not very clear uh, to many people because uh, people know that Boko Haram is there and the, the tendency is to believe that everything happening there is going on uh, because of uh, Boko Haram. That's not really the truth. Yeah, so uh, the perspective in the United States is that the Trump administration has done a really good job of eradicating ISIS. They no longer seem to be a threat in the Middle East. There's been fewer terror attacks in Israel, none in the United States. So ISIS is defeated. So can we claim victory or uh, what? 
you, that that would be premature in my view. Um, ISIS in the Middle East is not dead. ISIS may have been routed from uh, Syria and Iraq, but ISIS has moved to some other part of the Middle East, Afghanistan, for instance, and I think they must have found their way into somewhere, some other parts, but they're keeping quiet for a while. ISIS has a different strategy for Britain, and that strategy meant that, has meant that it was very difficult to claim victory over ISIS long term. For instance, nobody showed us photographs of dead ISIS soldiers when they were routed from Iraq and Syria. That meant that they were not killed there. That meant that they withdrew. That meant that they went somewhere else. And you know that there were so many ISIS soldiers that came from Western Europe, and some from the United States here, and of course, some from parts of Africa. Right. And, but nobody ever says to us where they have gone to. Right. We've, we've spoken about al-Shabaab, that they control mm -hmm. part of Africa. And mm -hmm. so you think ISIS has migrated to Africa and, and made that their home now? N not, not the mainstream ISIS. I think the leadership of ISIS remains in the Middle East. But uh, ISIS has sort of decentralized its operations, and which is more dangerous. Um, the, the Boko Haram, and that's, that's very... Uh, tricky part of it. The Boko Haram once decided to pay allegiance to ISIS. And ISIS accepted them into this global coalition. Right, this, for, uh, this awful brother, brotherhood, yeah. right? But, but ISIS then decided to change the leadership of Boko Haram. And Boko Haram, the leader, resisted that. And then the group was split into two. Part, a half of it went with ISIS, and another part remained with them. He still continues to lead them. He still continues to attack parts of northeastern North Nigeria. He still continues to kill people, but so is ISIS, and that's the deadliest part. The, the ISIS group uh, in West Africa, in Nigeria, is, is actually a sub-regional arrangement. It's called ISWA, I-S-W-A, Islamic State West Africa Province. And it has a leader, Al-Barnawi. It doesn't, this leader is not like the leader of Boko Haram. It's not somebody who gets on, on social media and posts um, exploits or posts threats regularly now. It does it seldomly. And what they have done is that it, it sort of confused the public. When ISIS attacks Niger the Nigerian authorities, they think that it's Boko Haram, so they blame everything on Boko Haram, but it's not really Boko Haram. But I can tell you the difference. The difference between attacks by ISIS and the difference between attacks by Boko Haram. ISIS attacks are more clinical, more militarily targeted. ISIS will attack a military base or a military uh, uh, location, and they will kill virtually all the soldiers there. Uh, these are obviously trained fighters. In fact, some estimates say that since the beginning of the year, several hundred Nigerian troops have been killed. Those are not being and those are not being done by Boko Haram. Boko Haram doesn't have the the wherewithal to attack military formation. Doesn't have the expertise to attack military formations. But ISIS does that and has been doing that. And ISIS is also getting involved in, in, in kidnapping, 
like the, the last group of school girls that were kidnapped were actually kidnapped by ISIS, not by Boko Haram. But the pity is that you don't get that kind of conversation going even in Nigeria. I don't know why the state... Oh, is there a state of denial? I, I, is it that they, they don't want Nigerians to know the exact condition or they don't know? I, I fail to accept that they don't know what is going on. I mean, if those of us who are studying it know what, has, what is happening there, the state has more resources has to know and to recognize that something much bigger is going on. I think that the, the bulk of the damages being done in recent times are done by ISIS, not by Boko Haram. So what you're saying is that we've been lulled into a false sense of security and that ISIS is actually more deadly and that Boko, they're doing Boko they, Haram's bidding. They, they, they're not actually doing Boko Haram's bidding, but ISIS sort of has reorganized itself and... Uh, Seeing them, what they're doing in West Africa, I can imagine that that's what is happening in any area that they feel is ungovernable. They would have plugged themselves in. Now it's very difficult to attack ISIS as you did in that space between Syria and Iraq. They simply melted to every other part of the world. I believe that some of them must have gotten back to Western Europe some obviously a, a large a large population would have ended up somewhere in the Middle East, and now you also have the franchising of of their activities in parts of Africa, West Africa, East and Central Africa. Al Shabaab already exists, so and nobody knows for certain what relationship they have with Al Shabaab, but something else has happened in Africa in the last one year, attacks by. Islamic fundamentalist soldiers are taking place in two countries where it was never heard of. The first country was Mozambique. Bombs exploded. The second country was South Africa. This was knife attacks in two in quick succession. And what it says to you is that there are people walking essentially in this direction. So if you have some actions going on in Southern Africa, Mozambique, South Africa, going on, in East and Central Africa, going on in West Africa, and of course, North Africa is the bastion of this this Islamic fundamentalism. Then you can you can well assume that the the, the organizational structure of ISIS seems to have changed, so that if if you defeat one in one region, you haven't really defeated one in the next region. Yeah, and you use a, a word that I think is very dangerous: the word franchising. It seems like Boko Haram is like a I mean, ISIS is like a corporation that's decided to reboot its business strategy yeah. and to pick a new location. Now they're they're actually targeting areas that unheard of before. So in a way, they're spreading themselves. Mm -hmm. And maybe the media coverage of it hasn't been as extensive as it needs to be. What does Nigeria expect from the international community? What what should the United States be doing? It seems like um, this reminds me a little bit about pre-9-11, where the United States government was under this false sense of security that terrorism had been kind of controlled and that wasn't really a problem. Yeah. The, the, the international community is still very deeply involved in this. If you get to that part of the country, you will see uniformed men from different parts of the world. You see those who are from the United States, you see those who are from Europe, and they are there. And of course, there are those from around Africa, Africa who are also there. The, the, the problem is that the uniformity of action seems to be, to be missing. The United States is very keen on 
arming the Nigerian authorities with the faint hope that, that, that they can defeat this Islamic fundamentalist, whether ISIS or Boko Haram. I don't think that is going to work. The, the, the Europeans believe that the time has come to look for other strategies for resolving this problem, whatever those strategies may be. But the Europeans are not in agreement with the United States, which means that although they are all there, they are working, if you like, at cross purposes. So I think, as for help, they are willing and they are working with the Nigerian state. But what kind of help are they giving? One want to sell weapons. Another wants negotiation with the terrorists. And both sides don't seem to see eye to eye in that regard. So either way, I don't see this problem going away anytime soon. And do you think it, it, it can worsen under the Trump administration because he's more isolationist and, and also but argue it, and fighting with his NATO partners? It, it, actually, in the, an incident once in, 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 in Nigeria, I mean, sort of explains that the ambassadors of Western countries were having a meeting where a serious agenda issue was, let's look for a new tact for resolving this thing, because it's clear that it can't be won militarily. And the U.S. ambassador walked in and spoke and said, U.S. doesn't negotiate with terrorists, and they're ready to give Nigeria, sell as much weapons as possible to Nigeria to fight this battle and to win it. And after that, he walked away. That sounds like the American region. strategy of the last 50 years. That's really yeah. been the strategy. And, and so he's beginning to sort of uh, create a chasm between them and Europeans on what strategy to adopt, in tackling not just ISIS, because ISIS, the one we're dealing with now, is not just on Nigeria, it's actually on, in West Africa. And it's called Islamic State West Africa Province. And Al-Shabaab is in East and Central Africa. And I just told you that things are beginning to happen in Southern Africa. That simply means that the North Africa has been, has been gone long ago, right. firmly under the control Libya, you know the problem we have in right. Libya And today. Egypt and Egypt, uh, Algeria. Algeria, right. Tunisia, even. Right. So they, you, you then find the entire continent sort of uh, balkanized by these groups. And uh, in between, the last time we, we did some count, there were no fewer than 14 to 15 Islamic terrorist groups operating in Africa, different ones. What they do is that sometimes... They, they start working together. But it, clearly the problem is there. And the United States will have to reassess and reexamine the strategies to adopt. I think the Europeans will have to reassess the strategies to adopt because it's not really an African problem alone. Eventually, it, it will get closer to Europe through the Mediterranean. It always gets there. Right, so let's talk about that a little bit. So there's a big migrant crisis that comes from sub-Saharan Africa. It goes through North Africa, and then it comes in through Italy and then Germany or France and Spain. So uh, the Europeans are aware of this, and I guess they're in a way they're, they're doing what Trump is trying to do here, which is trying to close off a border. It's hard to do that when you have water. Um, so the Europeans are justified to be worried about people coming through their countries and not knowing it. There's a mix. You know, I really think that they contributed to the, the problem. You know, if you shut out legal rules for migration, you're going to open up legal rules for migration. People are going to find ways to move. People who will move will move. It doesn't matter if you, like, build a wall. And there's like people, there's people in Libya here. making money on, on doing this. There are big businesses have sprung up on account of this. Right. 
And they don't care whether most of the people are getting drowned in the Mediterranean. That's not their goal. The goal is to make money. Right. And they're making money. And then they are also dealing on slavery uh, with some of those who couldn't cross. And those they could, they, they kept, they kept them and indentured them into slaves or right. sold them right. out as slaves. So the, the Europeans, I think, should, and they have always been more liberal in that regard. It's just that recently everybody seemed to have lost a sense of uh, moderation is in the world, but maybe a sense of reasonableness in this regard. From my understanding, no country can ever box itself out of the rest of the world. When people have to move, if they can't come through the legitimate ways, they're going to find the legitimate ways to come through. And a few may be killed, many may be killed, but some will keep entering. And if Europeans don't begin to review the immigration policy into Europe in the sense in which they need some labor, the Europeans, so that they will then be able to streamline the people who really go, the Europeans are going to end up forcing people to go through. And among those who will be going through the Mediterranean may actually be people who are not going there to do good things. Citizens of European nations were fighting with ISIS. They don't know all of them. Citizens of the United States were fighting with ISIS. Nobody knows all of them. You may track a few. And they, they will return from different countries. Some of them will end up in Europe and from there they travel down to the United States. They have no way of knowing where they are coming from. And they can sit down here quietly for a very long time. Just as they can sit in part of Europe quietly for a very long time without raising any dust until they are triggered to do that. Right, so if we've learned anything about Al-Qaeda and ISIS, is that they're willing to wait a long time. They're very patient and, right. and diligent in their attacks. So you're saying it's not a matter of if there will be an attack, no, but when? I, I think that it, is, it can be prevented um, if these countries do keep working on it. First, it's not to lull yourself into a sense of peace when you know that the enemy is not, a, is not sleeping. So you don't get lulled into some fake peace. But I also think that new strategies ought to be adopted because unlike before, where, when you know where they were based, you don't really know where they're based now. And you will say you find a few in some parts of West Africa. For all you care, you may find many in other parts of the world who are doing nothing now, but they're trained. They're highly trained. I just told you that each time they're attacked in our, in our part of the world, they're very clinical. So you could see that these are not rabble-rousers. These are not people just who took weapons without very much training. These people have been trained and they're hardened desert fighters. And so when they, 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 they confront the authorities as they're doing, they tend to do some maximum damage on the authorities. So what, if you pull out your crystal ball, what do you think is going to happen in the next few years? I really think that the world eventually will have to find a new strategy for dealing with this new threat because this is a new threat that is coming. It's not the same way as it was before. Um, it's new because it's mostly going to be look like home-built threats. And... You have to find ways. I don't know how many can be monitored. I don't know how many can be followed. But it's going to take much more than that. It's going to take some deliberate strategies to break into little cells without necessarily arresting people, break in there to know exactly how they're operating and start devising policies and, and uh, strategies for checkmating them before they act. I think it's possible. I mean, it's, it's, it's very possible. Amika, thank you for your time.
Thank you very much, uh, Clemente. And thank you very much, Melissa. It's been great to have your perspective. We appreciate you joining us for the podcast today and Clemente for moderating. It's always great to have you in town, Emeka. Mm-hmm.